TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. You want to talk trash on social media to me now? Huh? This is my dog pound. I run NXT. Waller defined in the end. It's bam! He just gets destroyed by Braun Breaker, who retains his title. Welcome to the Vengeance Day Aftercast here on Sunday Night's Main Event Radio. Just remember that Sunday Night's Main Event Radio is powered by TotalSportsCards.com. That's TotalSportsCards.com. And today we're going to be chatting all things NXT Vengeance Day. We're your hosts. I'm Boris. And as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing? We hope you're doing well. We have a good show to talk about. Although, wow, indeed, Booker T. Grayson Waller loses. The coronation has been put off yet again. Braun Breaker retains his world NXT heavyweight championship. But you know what, Boris, all things considered, this was a really good show we got to watch with, I think, the WWE match of the year so far. Oh, 100%. And and you're right, man. Just wow, indeed. I think that was my major takeaway. And we're going to be talking about kind of like, you know, why <laughs> later? Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very fun and entertaining show. That's for damn sure. And it seemed like a lot of people on the internet, especially the Facebook group, especially the SNME radio Facebook group, I think uh, the it, they were getting an overall positive uh, reception to uh, Vengeance Day yesterday. Yeah, I looked a little bit uh, on the Twitter machine and on the Reddit this morning as I was having my morning coffee, and it did seem like pretty well everyone enjoyed the match. The only complaint is that I think people are getting a little sick of Braun Breaker's title reign. Uh, he's still awesome. He's still the A-plus prospect, and I get that, you know, Grayson Waller was a, a shifty, mouthy heel. He got him in a steel cage. Babyface wins a, in a dominant fashion. I I understand that booking, but yep. I, I too am a little disappointed as a fan of Grayson Waller, the performer. Yep, exactly. And I think the fans in attendance were a little disappointed as well. But we're going to, again, we're going to talk about whether people were barking or saying uh, uh, chase you in other matches. But dude, it, the crowd added a whole element to this NXT show, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, it was very cool to see. They were in uh, North Kakalaki. As it were, they were in Charlotte, North Carolina, home of the Hornets. And yeah, it was it was uh, very nice to see not just the friends and family and the small performance center setting of NXT. They were in an arena. It was full. They showed us a full ass arena a number of times. And yeah, the, the crowd was lively. They were responsive, but they did not 
uh, like toe the company line like they do in NXT. Like Chase, you got booed a little bit. Braun Breaker got booed a little bit. It was an interesting crowd. Yeah, it was. It it, it 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 it's nice to see kind of what other people and what the general audience is thinking of this NXT product. Like you said, taking them away from the environment of the friends and the family of the performance center. But you know what I'm what I'm sure the wrestlers were most gracious for. What's that? Being away from the performance center parking lot, which is the most dangerous place <laughs> in all of WWE. Yes, absolutely. The the safe streets of Charlotte, North Carolina. Where they get yep. to have this one. But yeah, we let's not uh, dilly-dally too much more, man. Let's talk about this show. Yep, and, and we're going to do that, but we just got to take care of some housekeeping here on SNME because it is a huge week here on SNME Radio as it's going to be talked about later on in the flagship show. Uh, this week is a Patreon preview week. Every show is going to be going up on the free feed. And just remember that the free feed is is uh powered by totalsportscards.com go check them out you, if you know if you're into collectibles uh and 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 trading cards this is the place for you nice little uh family run plays totalsportscards.com uh, that's uh you know where you want to go and check that out but we have a huge week here on SNME radio including a bunch of additions to the to the SNME radio family including my geek show, my friend, the It's Cannon podcast is going to be debuting uh, this week on the the Patreon and the free feed because, again, uh, everything is uh, going to the free feed. Uh, we also have a bunch of new wrestling shows coming up, including uh, Steve Swift's Rambling AEW. Dark review. That's going to be a fun little uh, a little show there. It's I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we're also going to get Steve Swift's rambling AEW Dark Elevation review. Uh, so that's also coming. We have Steven's Wrestling Journey. That's going to be a bi-weekly show. Uh, we have the Godfathers of Podcasting. Uh, this is a pop culture show, um, and this one has actually. Not only the Godfathers of podcasting, Matt, but the Godfathers of this brand, as that's Donnie Da Silva and Chris Tidwell coming at you, talking all things pop culture. They usually have some amazing guests on their show, so that's something you're going to want to be listening to as well. And, uh, you know, and then we also have looking back on it. Um, so that show is going to be uh, review albums from the 90s until the early 2000s. Then on the wrestling side, again, we have MLW Rewind coming. And then we have the slew of shows that everyone loves and adores, including Tuesday Morning Cooked, NXT Talk from Us, Bam from Us. Us, uh, the old fucks are coming at you. You have setting the standard AEWTF, the Smack Daddies. You have Rampage Ramble, and obviously the main show from Mike McGuire, dude. All this coming at you this week for free, powered by TotalSportsCards.com. I'm really looking forward to it because you know one of the main things that we've been looking for as we're expanding the the SNME radio family and diving more into the pop culture is 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 really you know just just that quality right it's having that quality content that everyone loves from SNME radio and i'm really looking forward to everything and uh you know if you're not sick of me yet you might be later but i'm going to really, i'm going to i'm really looking forward to chatting you know all my geek stuff uh along with Phil uh here on the network 
Yeah, man, it's canon back. I'm excited to check out a couple of your shows there. Yeah, there's so many new things on SNME radio. I just, yeah, gonna have to sample some of these flavors and see which one works for you, you know? And we're glad to, uh, we're glad to have you checking it out. And hopefully we can get you signed up to the Patreon and, uh, you know, supporting us along the way. Yep, exactly. So to become part of the family uh, on the Patreon, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. And for $5 a month, you will not only get everything ad free, but you're going to be getting shows early and you're getting the entire slew of not only wrestling shows, but pop culture shows. Uh, man, it, for 5 bucks a month, that is a deal. And you can participate in the games that are going to be coming up. Um, you know, seize the next season of the last patron standing that you run, and bunch of other stuff, dude. It is for, for you know when you when you break it down per show, you're paying cents on the show, cents on the show uh, per month, and it's uh you know again it it, it keeps the lights on, and it allows us to bring uh, all this amazing catalog of content that we have coming at you uh so again thank you to everyone who is a patron who is part of the family right now and if you want to join the family that's patreon.com slash radio matt what a weekend it's been full of wrestling so let us talk some nxt and before we get to the show let's just quickly talk about this um coming up because yesterday it was brian alvarez who reported that nxt is going to be allowing talent to work select indies moving forward and then later on in the day it was announced that ivy nile of nxt is going to be wrestling with reality of wrestling obviously friend of wwe um as it is owned by Booker T, but it is cool to see uh, the, the that you know the talent can further develop their in ring skills outside of the WWE ring, outside of the factory, outside of the system. And yeah, it's approved indies, but so do other promotions do that nowadays. Uh, you got to take care of your assets. Uh, but thoughts on that? Yeah, Shawn Michaels kind of poo-pooed this immediately after the NXT show and he was talking about how it was a one-time deal for Ivy Nile. So I don't know how accurate Brian Alvarez's report is going to turn out to be, but the more they do this, the more it's welcome. Like Ivy Nile needs that experience and Booker T obviously needs the help if he requested her presence. So I think there's a way to do this that would benefit everyone greatly and I'm surprised WWE doesn't do more of it. Hopefully they do. Exactly, and I think what I think what they wanted to do, um, and the tone that I got from Michaels after the fact was, hey, you know, let's put the brakes on this. They're not going to be freely willy going to GCW and you know those types of promotions, right? It's it's it was selected, you know, friends of WWE promotions, right? So uh, we'll see exactly how what transpires, but it is cool to again see this happen more and more because this is free for wwe right they don't have to technically run house shows and spend money on on house shows uh to to get the wrestlers in the ring every weekend yeah that's that's an excellent point too yeah the wrestlers need the experience especially at this stage in the game so so much so yeah it, it benefits everyone i don't see why it wouldn't happen more so yeah let's hope let's hope that they uh they see through all right, let us talk some NXT Vengeance Day, but Matt, we are the Young Guns, and as the Young Guns, we're done with star ratings, and we like to have fun with this, and every show, we have a rating system de jour, kind of based on what we just watched, what's happened in the world, what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. What are you thinking for our rating system de jour this week? 
I think we're going to celebrate Charlotte, North Carolina, various sports teams, maybe wildlife, you know, maybe Ric Flair woos might show up. We're just going to a uh, Charlotte themed celebration here in the rating system. Charlotte's out of five. Sounds great. All right, let's talk the pre-show. So the pre-show had the studio set. And there was just a lot of information being thrown out. Uh, you know, some highlights was uh, the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, noting that Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller were staying in separate hotels so that they don't get into any altercations, you see? Makes a lot of sense because they've proven to be oil and water when uh, put in the same room. They're throwing water bottles at each other at uh, the performance center and stuff. You were supposed to believe that these men dislike each other. So I liked it. Yep. And I love the fact that as right after they announced this, they show Apollo Crews and Carmelo Hayes arguing in a hotel lobby. So it's just like, boom, storyline reason why people shouldn't stay in a hotel uh, together when they have a match later. Sure, absolutely. A little bit of new kayfabe, you know, like, yep. I, I, I like it. I like it. Yep. Tons of hype packages that we see later on. Uh, we get a Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs uh, little vignette uh, where they're coaching Fallon Henley and Kiana James for their upcoming match. Uh, James said it was sweet that Jensen studied up on her opponents for her. Yes, yes. Uh, I, again, like... The twists and turns to this Brooks Jensen, Keanu James, Fallon Henley saga. Finally, after 18 months of this stupid Brooks Jensen character, he's doing something and it's interesting. I, I'm actually so shocked that we've said it for uh, three weeks now, but this Brooks Jensen, he's doing good work, man. He's doing some really good work. Life imitating art, my friend. That's exactly what it is. All right. The hardest working reporter, um, Mackenzie Mitchell, interviewed Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Woods plugged that their new T-shirts, which feature them as NXT and Triple Count champions. Uh, Kofi hyped up each of their opponents. And then Kofi noted that Andre Chase is the hometown guy, but he won't win the titles at the expense of the new day. Uh, then they start doing all their catchphrases and stuff. So kind of fun there with the new day. Yeah, always, always a party when the New Day cut a backstage promo. Yep. Uh, then we get footage of Andre Chase, Duke Cutson, and Thea Hale outside of the Spectrum Center. All of them were freezing. Andre Chase gave them the inspirational pep talk, uh, essentially saying that he's in their hometown. Don't embarrass me. That's a gist, and that was a takeaway I got. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm struggling to add two cents to this. I don't know why we're going through the pre-show, to be honest. Hey, it's content. <laughs> And some of it was interesting. Uh, you know what? It, the half-hour pre-shows, I would rather have half-hour pre-shows with a couple uh, new promos than, you know, the hour-long pre-shows when you get the same videos over and over and over. And that was essentially any new content. Let's jump straight to the show itself and the opening match. And, Matt, let's just say it right now, quite possibly, you know, uh, well, right, not quite possibly. In my opinion, and I think your opinion, the WWE match of the year so far, and honestly, this one is going to be high up on that list for a long time to come, and that was for the North American Championship as your champion, Wesley, went up against Dijak. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that, Boris. Uh, Wesley versus Dijak, the opener to NXT Vengeance Day. It is the best WWE match so far, edging out the Men's Royal Rumble, in my opinion. And yeah, it's a top 10 match of the year at this point, which is actually saying a lot because think of like all the amazing stuff that's happened in AEW. Think of Osprey wiling out all the time versus Omega. That was a five-star match. There's been a lot of crazy, awesome wrestling already, and this is must-see. This is as good as all of it. Wesley versus Dijak was the match of this show for sure. And just, yeah, an excellent action-packed, just high-flying opener. Uh, Dijak, obviously, the bigger man, the giant here versus Wesley, the cruiserweight, and it was Wesley chopping that tree down. And I, I, I just thought this match was really well laid out. They didn't; It wasn't just a bomb fest, but they did do some awesome spots at the end. I, I thought it built uh, in, incredibly. Wesley, really, he earned this win. He got a little bit of an assist, but I think it's okay for the baby face to get help if the heel is cheating. You know what I mean? Like if the heel is breaking the rules already, it's okay for the baby face to get help. So I don't think uh, Tony D'Angelo's minor interference in this match hurts anybody at all. I love this, man. This was brilliant wrestling. It really was. And you you summed everything up really well. It was big guy versus little guy, big guy versus cruiserweight. Um, and, uh, you know, your analogy of chopping down the tree was exactly that. Um, so I watched most of this show, the entire show, minus the main event with uh, my 17 year old nephew, who's been on and off wrestling for a little bit. And he absolutely Love this match. Like, he was getting up and punching air, uh, which I absolutely love to see, right? Like, it's just amazing to see watching wrestling and someone get so hyped, uh, you know, watching something. Because then, especially us, right, who watch so much and talk about stuff so often that sometimes, you know, we, we, we forget that we, we're allowed to be fans as well, right? So seeing that someone is reacting the same way we are is always awesome to see. And that was his reaction throughout this match. But he turns to me and he's like, What's going to be the ending of this match, right? Like, because they are putting, they were doing everything. We saw all of their um, their finishers and counters of the finishers. And it, it felt like your, 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 your old school takeover match. Um, but then it had a brilliant ending where, um, uh, you know, Lee uh, countered a superpower bomb with a Frankensteiner. Lee hit Dijak with the final uh, flash, a spiral tap. Uh, Dijak kicked out of Lee's finisher at two. Dijak went for a suicide dive, uh, but saw it, or Lee went for a suicide dive, but Dijak saw it coming and shoved a flying Lee onto the timekeeper's barricade. Dijak then trapped Lee in an office chair with a wooden broom as a seatbelt. Loved the added touch of the commentator saying, right now, it is up to the referee and his discretion whether he stops this match via DQ. Love that added touch, right? It just kind of, because it is a championship match, hey, up to the ref. Dijak then hit a trapped Lee with a super kick. He went to the top rope, and then out of nowhere-ish, Tony D'Angelo and Channing stacks Lorenzo pushly out of the way. Uh, and they eat Dijak's moonsault. They took the bullet for him. Lee caught Dijak with a kick and a backflip uh, Pele kick for the win uh, in 17 minutes, two seconds to retain the NXT North American Championship. Yeah, incredible match. I saw a couple people uh, on Twitter and on the Reddit say, oh, well, that was a great match and the, the ending ruined it. And I think I personally think we need to break ourselves of that of that thinking just because there is interference, just because another human shows up 
doesn't mean the match is automatically dumb and stupid. Okay. I think this this made sense. Like this made total sense. Dijak has been kind of antagonizing these two guys. He is a bad guy. He was doing he was using a weapon to restrain his opponent and he was going to hit an illegal move. And these mafiosa guys, they came out as baby faces and saved the day because uh, Dijak was about to break the rules. You know, like I totally think it's fine. Agreed. Not only that, let's let's think of the flip side. If there was no interference, the same people would be saying, Dijak just got buried. So no, having this in slight interference, not even direct interference, slight interference, they didn't do anything to Dijak per se, right? They just saved Wesley more than anything else. Um, it keeps Dijak looking amazingly strong. Gave Wesley the win, which he, you know, I guess was is, is awesome for him and continues the super babyface story of his. It furthers the Tony D'Angelo stacks Lorenzo storyline as Lorenzo promised he's going to go after the biggest guy in the yard. So it was a win, 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 win for all four guys that took part in this match in some shape, way or form. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. We're going not just four, but four and a quarter Carolina Panthers out of five, four and a quarter Panthers. It's 85%, a solid A here in the land of Canada. And Boris, we will be talking about it again in December on our top 123 of 2023 list. It was that good. This will be one of the matches of the year, 100%. at least the top 123, at least. At the very least, the hot, the 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 tough cuts, right? Like, yeah, it's hard to say where we're gonna land, but this match we're gonna talk about for sure in December. Uh, so you gave this match an eighty-five percent. Now, looking at Dijak's finger, was that more or less than eighty-five percent broken? Oh, that was yeah, that was hanging on by a thread. Yes, the Donovan Dijak, he got his finger mangled you can see a picture on the social media if you want to go and seek it out for yourselves it's pretty gross i mean it's just his finger it's not gonna ruin your day to see it but yeah i know it's a bad one it's just funny because if you remember mystico sin cara quitting a match stopping a match because of a broken finger that did not look half as gnarly as this one so kudos to dijak for you know keeping on keeping on in this match Yep, exactly. Okay, so next thing we start getting all these commercials, right? The usual WWE Peacock commercials. Um, and, and tip, normally, there's so much time in between them, and I'm not saying that this was a good thing, but at the very least, NXT and WWE, Shawn Michaels, whomever the uh, producer, director is, they were choosing the right commercials for this show as they had NXT profiles and kind of catching you up on what's going on in NXT. So if you're going to put stupid commercials at the very least, at the very least, help the show that people are watching. Yes. Okay. So if, if you don't understand why there are so many commercials uh, on these premium live events now, uh, in a nutshell, as best as I understand it, there are like numerous tiers on Peacock and some of the tiers that because this is a, a cheaper uh, Peacock tier that you're watching this WWE show on, they're throwing Peacock ads at you over and over and over. So the pay-per-view now has to bake in some of these ad breaks. The, the actual WWE show itself has to work those ad breaks in. But since we're not watching on Peacock, all we get is a 10-minute break of nothingness. So kudos to WWE for doing their best with this necessary evil for making something of this time. Having said that, it still fucking sucks. It's yeah. a lot of wasted time. It is. Especially when you watch like an AEW pay-per-view, right? Where it's like, match ends. All right. 
two minute promo. Bang. Let's get to the next yes. match. Yes, and and here it's like ten minute ten minute uh, video about the Miz. You remember Miz? Here's everything the Miz has done for the last seven years. Then a backstage promo. Then two long entrances. Then a match. You know, like fuck. It really it takes your hype away, right? And that's another note that my nephew left is like, I want to watch more right now, but there's so much waiting. I'm going to be bored now, right? Like, it really takes you away. And getting that perspective from a casual fan, a super casual fan, I just, again, love hearing their their thoughts as these shows are going on because it's like, okay, you know, when we complain about this this thing, it's not just us. And I know it's not just us, but getting that, uh, that affirmation is always very good. All right, so Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker were shown arriving at the Spectrum Center from earlier today. Uh, Vic Joseph and Booker T checked in from the commentary table. And then they send the show to the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, who interviewed the women's tag team champions, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Chance and Carter were hyping up their upcoming title defense. And then it was time, my friend, for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship as your run, uh, longest running tag team from any brand, Katana Chance and Caden Carter went up against Fallon Henley and Kiana James with Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen in their corner. Yeah, so they said that stat, and that's one of those things that you hear it at first, and you're like, wow, that's that can't be right. That's way too surprising. And you think about it for like five minutes, and you're like, oh, no, that makes sense. So Katana Chance and Caden Carter are in the modern era, not counting like the jumping bomb angels and shit, perhaps even counting them. But in the modern era, they are the longest reigning women's tag team champions of any brand in WWE history, NXT or Raw and SmackDown, like the new titles that they have, Women's Tag Team Championships, and they've had them for like five months. Yeah. So it's actually crazy. So I thought two things. One, wow, they are booking these women tag, women's tag team titles like absolute shit. No wonder Sasha Banks and Naomi quit. Uh, and two, wow, they're definitely changing the titles tonight, aren't they? <laughs> and lo and yep. behold, Boris. Yep. I think, you know, honestly, dude, we didn't even talk about this, but those were my exact same <laughs> thoughts, especially the first one. My first thought was like, hmm, WWE, do you really want, want to be promoting that? Like, you you literally yeah. just told the world, anyone who pays attention, how crappy you actually book uh, these belts, right? But, you know, again, if you're looking at this from a sports point of view, uh, it, cool. It's a nice little marketing tag to have, right? But it, it really did show the weakness in that division and in their booking of female tag teams. Exactly. It, it, for those casual fans who are watching for the first time, they hear that and they forget about it. But it is like, oh, these 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 uh, women who I've never seen before must be pretty fucking sick if they've had the title for this long. But if you're a hardcore fan or even have just been watching for five minutes and you could piece one and one together there, that that line actually did more harm than good. They should yep. not have told us that. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the match itself, uh, Matt. I honestly like this match. I look. Yeah, it was I have this weird thing about Katana Chance and Kanan Carter. I keep thinking and uh, uh, putting myself in that position where it's like this is the Chance and Carter from like a year ago, six months ago, right? Where they would barely be on TV. They would have a two minute match, you know, rinse and repeat, right? Um, they've improved so much since they won these belts and that little run that they had leading up to winning these belts. Uh, so Chance and Carter are really good, 
But I want to focus this conversation on Fallon Henley and Keanu James because this is developmental after all. They were in a new city with a new audience, and I thought that Henley, uh, James, Chance, and Carter did a fantastic job. But kudos to Henley and James for, like, you know, really keeping up, for lack of a better term. Absolutely. Yeah, Keanu James, we've talked about her before, but she's she's very good. She's not like a Daniel Bryan in the ring, obviously, you know what I mean? But she's she's fundamentally sound and she's got a lot of personality, like a lot. Like she just jumps off the screen and she is a good athlete as well. So she's like doing moonsaults off the apron while also probably being the most interesting person in this match. Yeah, Keanu James, just every time I watch her now, I'm like, wow, like she is somebody who is developing in front of our eyes. And it's awesome to see uh, in terms of Carter and Chance. They've done that developing and they are at the point where they're carrying these matches now. And it's it's very cool, although it's a spot fest every time it's a Caden Carter and uh, Katana Chance match. It's just kind of random moves without rhyme or reason. But at least there was an overarching story in this one, right? Which is that Keanu James is a bad guy and she wants to cheat. And Fallon Henley, gosh darn it, she just means well. She's just a good old country gal. But Keanu James in the end did get to cheat. She did get to pull the wool over someone's eyes. So I, I, li I like this match overall. Like you can't really complain about the lack of story in a Caden Carter Kaitana Chance match in this match. There was a clear story in it. Yeah, and I thought Briggs and Jensen did a fantastic job of staying in the background, right? Like, you know, the, the reality is that oftentimes when when you have males involved in some shape or form in a in a women's match they take the spotlight a little too much, right? But I really do appreciate the fact that Briggs and Jensen were literally cheerleaders in the background and, and yeah. cheerleaders in, in the right sense. Yes, yeah, exactly right. Like not spirit squad over the top cheerleading. Like actually uh, the focus was on the women in the ring. Yeah, I like that. Good call, buddy. Yep. All right, so let's talk about the ending because you, you said it best. It was a spot fest. All the moonsaults, all the flips, all the dives, really good tag team. Chance and uh, Carter, excellent uh, double team moves. They do a lot of these maneuvers back and forth, um, and, and you know they, they're a really well-oiled machine. Chance blind tagged in. Carter put in. Henley in the top rope electric chair, which allowed Chance to hit Henley with a super Frankensteiner for a two count. Um, their, Carter and Chance are setting up for their finisher. James then shoves Chance off the top rope. Uh, she prevented the tag champs from hitting Henley with their uh, finisher of the moonsault uh, neckbreaker. Henley rolled up Carter, and then James held onto Carter's legs to give Henley a tainted pinfall victory in nine minutes 23 seconds to become the nxt women's tag team champions yes so in the end they did indeed cheat and we will see where the story goes from here you think they're gonna watch the tape and someone's gonna have something to say but well, that, yeah i i don't know that's the I, thing I think, right this is wwe oftentimes in wwe it's like they forget logic sometimes right like there is tape of, of, of what just happened, of what we watched, right? Um, I don't understand the logic that they use sometimes. It's like they live in a world where video cameras don't exist or something, right? Um, so I hope that, you know, and, and it, it leaves me intrigued. I really want to see what's coming up next and what twist and turn we're going to see with this story. And my God, I can't believe I'm actually excited to see Briggs and Jensen on Tuesday. 
<laughs> Agreed. But yeah, overall, a good match. Not great. We're going to go, I think, three Charlotte checkers out of five. It's an AHL team, don't you know? <laughs> I didn't. Thank you for letting me know. And as G.I. <laughs> Joe says, knowing is half the battle. All right. Carter was disappointed uh, that they lost because they got screwed out of the belt. Briggs and Jensen were celebrating with the new tag team champions. Uh, we then get a cut to Drew Gulak cutting a promo via Instagram. He was coaching Hank Walker. Gulak told Walker to take the Lee versus Dijak match as a lesson where larger opponents need to ground high flyers like Lee uh, did. Walker also adomished, or sorry, Gulak made fun of Walker for dressing up like a plumber or something. Gulak said that Walker needs to get more proper ring gear. Uh, yeah, admonished, I think, is the word. And yes, yeah, he did admonish him hard. It was really funny. Hank was just like laughing, like, <laughs> thinking he's just kind of being uh, nice and friendly and joking. But if you watch Drew Gulak, you watch his eyes and you actually listen to his delivery. He's not joking around with this guy. He's not his friend. He doesn't like... Hank, particularly, he's clearly using this man. And uh, yeah, Hank is just at this moment, just too dang sweet to see it. I actually like this pairing a lot. I do too. I really do. Um, it's just, hey, Hank's just such a lovable guy, right? And then you have Drew yeah. Gulak who takes everything so serious. So I, I do like that dynamic. All right, the show again, cuts. I, I, we've sorry. said, sorry, we, we've said this about baby faces before, but it is important to note it's not that Hank is a fucking idiot. It's not that he's stupid, at least not yet. He is, he is giving this person the benefit of the doubt. Hank has a good heart. That's a big difference in wrestling. You do cross a line where you get turned on so often that you're like staying in 1996 or whatever it is. And then you have to go full goth for it to make any sense at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. All right. The show cuts the liar of Valkyria. She's cutting a promo where she talks about Cora Jade uh, constantly ducking out of their advertised match, um, even though it just happened once. Very strange note I took. Uh, Valkyria said she's going to be back in action on Tuesday. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do it. She's against Valentina Feroz. That's a surprising pairing. I'm thinking we're going to get Valentina leaning heel with uh, Electra Lopez, your girl. Again, man. Like I know we say this often on NXT Talk, which you can listen to every Wednesday morning. Um, but... I'm loving the fact that literally up and down the card, doesn't matter whether you're the first match, the last match, the middle match, there's something, there's a story for you. It's the only good thing that Russo ever did for professional wrestling was give everyone in his company something to do. Yep. All sure. of it, all of it ridiculous, racist, and stupid, but at least they were doing something. Yep. Trick Williams was in the ring to give Carmelo Hayes a personalized entrance. Williams introduced Melo as the 2021 breakout superstar, the winner of NXT War Games, the longest reigning North American champion, the final cruiserweight champion, and him. Such great stuff from Trick Williams. Dude, my, my nephew just looks at me and says, these two are cool. Yes, yes. So few people in wrestling are actually cool, real life cool. Carmelo Hayes and, and to a way, way bigger extent, in my opinion, Trick Williams is legitimately fucking cool. Yep. Like they're just cool. They just are. It, it reminds me of The Rock, not quite obviously as as bombastically charismatic, but just uh, you, that that 
cool factor where you're watching something and you're not embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, Ricky Starks plus Carmelo Hayes equals The Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, like, all of the cringe went to Ricky, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he also got a lot of the humor and a lot of, like, a lot of what we love about The Rock, but he got, like, all of the cringe. Melo yeah. got all of the cool. Yep. All right. So let's talk about this because even Apollo Crews was made to look like a superstar, at least in his entrance. Uh, there was he got a personalized entrance. He got video wall showing highlights from his from his WWE career, and he makes his entrance to begin the best two of three falls match as Apollo Crews went up against Carmelo Hayes, Matt, Matthew, yeah. my friend, yes. my buddy, my pal. Yeah, I stole that. <laughs> I am going to bury Horowitz myself for calling this. Yeah, a couple people on our board, you chief, you chief among them, you, Boris. Uh, I believe we had that. It was, to quote Tony Kornheiser, our prediction. I believe we had that. It was a 2 nothing sweep for Carmelo Hayes over Apollo Cruz. Now, I was actually kind of disappointed in the match, man. Like, I didn't think it was great. My expectations were too high. I think you have to say it was a good wrestling match, like if you look at the work they did. But I, I also think it's fair to say disappointing and not as good as, as you would ever expect, actually. Yeah, okay, that's exactly it. And I wanted to really highlight that. I thought the match, it wasn't bad. Maybe, again, maybe we hyped it up too much in our head. Uh, but I feel like this match was just super slow for the two guys in the ring. You know what may have happened is because Wes Lee and Dijak had their style of match that they did in the opener. Maybe it caused these guys to either change it on the fly or just in the planning process have to come up with a match that they normally wouldn't have planned because earlier in the show, Wes Lee and Dijak had the match that these guys were going to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that, that's interesting. And I wonder, I really do wonder if it was that, right? But and I hope it wasn't because there's nothing wrong with having two uh, matches kind of feel the same, right? Because at the end of the day, this is a two of three falls match. You could have had three different or sorry, two different types of matches uh, as it was a clean sweep for Carmelo Hayes. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, like you could have had two different types of matches. You could have had a slower match. And it really was did feel like that. For that first pin, uh, it was a much slower match. And then they kind of got and picked up the pace for the second pin. Um, but I don't know. So something felt off. Something felt off. Uh, were their TV matches better than this? Yes. Yeah, yeah this right? Is, uh, I, think this, I think this was their worst match. Like, I would only have it uh, at uh, three Hornets, three Charlotte Hornets out of five. Still a good match. But, like, you know, a C. I think that's that's exactly what this match was. It went a little long. They were trying to go for for somewhat of a Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 12 thing in the first fall, like kicking out <laughs> of everything. Nobody can get the call. And then the second fall was very short and had a lot of interference and, and chicanery. And then that was it. That was the match. And yeah, it, it left uh, left me wanting more. Yep. Once again, Shawn Michaels booking to <laughs> right? his past and history. <laughs> Reminds me of Surly, Duff Surly on The Simpsons. Shawn Michaels only cares about one person. Shawn Michaels. Oh, sorry, Shawn Michaels. Shut up. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. There's always a Simpsons quote that you can use for literally anything in life. <laughs> or a Shawn Michaels match for anything in NXT. <laughs> All right, so the first um pin. We're 12 minutes in. We still haven't had a fall. Apollo rallies with 
huge punches. He reversed a final cut into a leaping lariat. Apollo hit Mello with a corner splash. Mello went for a slingshot, and he was hit mid-air with Apollo's uh, Gamangiri. Trick was shown praying to God on a chair that he set up to sit and watch the match because he couldn't take it anymore, you see? Apollo dragged Mello inside of the ring with a deadlift superplex for a two-count. Apollo hyped... Um, up the crowd by pumping up his hands. Apollo hit Mello with a close range uh, clinch strikes. Mello escapes a military press. He then escapes a crossface. Both men going back and forth uh, with counters and pin attempts. Mello hit Apollo with La Mystica slam for a two count. Carmelo hit Apollo with a final cut suplex for a two count. Uh, Carmelo put Apollo in the cross face and Apollo tapped to get the first fall in 1554. Let's fast forward to the end of the match. Tricks running around the ring to inform Mello that he exposed the buckle. Apollo came at Mello with uh, super strikes and super punches. Tricks' plan hugely backfired as it was Apollo that gave Mello a power Irish whip into the exposed turnbuckle back first. Uh, Trick tried to use the steel chair, and that is when... Dabakato, the artist formerly known as Commander Aziz, came out. He made his return. Uh, he uh, dragged a trick down. Mello recovered, though, with a slingshot move, and he did nothing but net leg drop for the win in 23 minutes, 30 seconds uh, to win and to get the clean sweep in this best of three match. So, yeah, that was that. Yes, and then quickly, we'll just even say after the match, Jabba Kato comes back into the ring, helps Cruz to his feet, and then gives him a choke slam on a chair. So, so was he friends? Was he friends with him at the start? And did he? Why did he help him? Are we to believe that he turned on him in the moment because he was like this fucking loser? I just came for the crowd, and he immediately drops the fall. Fuck this guy, choke slam. Or are we supposed to think that only he wanted to beat? Apollo Cruz, the other guys weren't allowed to do it. I don't quite understand the. It was a weird you know, ending. The logic, here. The logic in the ending. ending was weird, right? Very Just weird because yeah. you get saved and you still lose the match, right? Like I understand that the turn happened, so you can use that as the overarching excuse. But just the way that everything played out was really, really weird. Um, but it was hilarious because. Uh, as Dalakaido was standing over him, my nephew was like, look at his face. Look at his face. He's a bad guy now. <laughs> Knew it. He called it out. That's, yeah, you can tell. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, like I said, three Charlotte Hornets out of five for this one. I would still call it good, but ultimately it was, it was not a home run. It was like a sacrifice RBI up the line, you know, like a, a sacrifice pop fly, let's say. The important thing is, uh, now Carmelo Hayes gets to say he swept Apollo Cruz. He won two nothing. He is far and away the man who is the number one contender in NXT. He is the rightful heir to the throne of Braun Breaker. And since Braun Breaker is a babyface, I guess it makes sense. I guess it makes sense that Grayson Waller would lose in the main event, and this man Carmelo Hayes has to take the title from a babyface. I guess, but you could make you could have made Melo. Into a into a baby face easily to it's face the heel Grayson Waller. Literally, what we've been talking about NXT talk, which drops every Wednesday morning, um, yeah. for weeks, right? Like Mello and Trick are getting just that reaction, even in this match. 
man, they were getting cheered more than than Apollo Cruz, right? And Apollo Cruz had a pretty good reaction, um, but Mello and Williams, right? Like they are it. They are rock stars of NXT. Yeah, man. Yeah, and so we're gonna get Mello versus Braun. I'm sure as the main event of Stand and Deliver. That's gotta be it. And honestly, for where 2.0 started, where NXT is now, that feels probably like the biggest match in NXT possible. I think Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker feels like The Rock versus Austin, Hulk Hogan versus the Macho Man, as much as it could be for this brand, right? Yeah, agreed. All right, Briggs and Jensen, they're celebrating with Henley and James uh, after winning the title. James congratulated Henley and thanked Jensen for setting the match up. Uh, we finally get the ad for NXT Stand and Deliver, which will be happening WrestleMania weekend, the Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. local time. Yes, wow. 1, 1 p.m. Eastern, yeah. 10 a.m. start if you're actually going to the show in Los Angeles. And here's something for you, an official announcement. This will be part of the last patron standing game. It's going to be a full weekend, a minimum, a minimum of three shows. And we might even throw uh, Ring of Honor on there too. So there might be four shows for you to get through on WrestleMania weekend. But this is definitely on the list for last patron standing. So be prepared. Yep. All right. We get a WWE Black History Month PSA featuring Kofi Kingston, which is really well done. Love these PSAs. Uh, then we get entrances for the tag team championship match. Uh, we see a Chase U student section in the crowd. Uh, Vic Joseph noted that Andre Chase's brother and former tag team partner, Lance Bravado, for your information, was in the crowd watching his brother. And honestly, I say, look, Booker is not my favorite commentator. Booker takes away from the show sometimes with the way he delivers lines and just his, his goofiness, uh, not taking certain things serious. But we've said it so many times that when Booker's on, he's on. And you know when he's on the most? When? When he is talking crap about the New Day. Yes, when he's got something to sink his teeth into, just in general. But he sinks his teeth into his visceral hatred of the New Day and Kofi Kingston's shenanigans, shaking his booty and whatnot. I think we're leading to Booker versus Kofi at some point. We have to be. Have but to man, be. have to be. It, we should be anyway. I would pay money to see that match. Yep. I, I'd buy. I'd buy a ticket. I like this match a lot. I would say honestly, this is the second best match on the show. This four-way tag team match. One of the best fatal four-way tag team matches ever in WWF history because these matches are often bad. They're not very good. This is this was a this was a good bordering on great match. Yep. You know, we need to play a new game. So this year we have the ongoing uh crimes that take place on NXT TV uh spreadsheet, right? Oh we should... yes, we have to add Nikita Lyons to that, by the way. Yes. But who done it? We don't know yet. Um but we should also play the which match of Shawn Michaels' history is this booked after. <laughs> That's amazing. Has Shawn Michaels ever been in a fatal four-way tag? I want to say he was kind of in the main event already when those things were happening. He wasn't in the Raw Bowl. Psycho Sid was, but Shawn Michaels wasn't. I wonder. Yeah. We I really, we as we were that. talking, I was thinking, he's like, which match does this remind me of? Which match does this remind me I'm of? Sure, I don't know. I, yeah. 
Actually, I'm sure when he was tag team champions with Triple H, like in the 09-10 era, he probably got into one of these matches on Raw. Yeah, but this match, it was, you know, I again, it was match was so well done. The first half, okay, so it was the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus Andre Chase and Duke Hudson with Thea Hale versus Pretty Deadly Kit Wilson and Elton Prince versus the Gallus boys, Gallus, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Okay. I was dying of laughter during the introductions because Wolfgang had a full-on chub going, and the New Day just kept pointing to it and laughing. <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait a second. I need to go back and watch that. I did not uh, catch a New Day laughing at Gallus's, as you put it. Dude, full on watch chub. it. Full on. Watch the introductions. They're both pointing down at Wolfgang's like full on chub. In the interest of, you know, uh, historical categorization and making sure we are correct for posterity's sake, Boris, I guess I have to go back and check for Wolfgang's half and or full chub, perhaps a 70%. Is he six? Is he midnight? We don't know. <laughs> but okay. So the match itself talking about you know being in a new city being in a new crowd all four teams got good receptions by the end of the match as the match really did pick <laughs> up and just divulged into pandemonium right but it, to me it was very interesting that when the match started obviously new day pretty popular um you know uh, chase you not so popular which was a surprise to me uh pretty deadly pretty good reaction but it was gallus who got tons of cheers you think so eh i don't know i as the match went on yes but that's because they were they were awesome they were yeah, doing good as work. the match went on the, everyone yes got a great reaction yeah yeah when the match started i thought nobody knew who gallus was and nobody cared about them and as it went on they got the they got the heat it seems like to me everyone loved the new day everyone loved pretty deadly uh and I thought that Chase U got a, a mixed reaction, like loud cheers and loud boos. Was it? People were they were, saying boo or Chase U? They, yeah, they were saying U earns, I believe. No, like a lot of a lot of the the hardcore fans who came and paid their money, not the friends and family of Chase U, did not have time for these dingbats. And I think that might be. It's not like, oh, well, that's the end of Chase. You pack it up. But it's worth noting, like, their first foray on the main roster or something close to the main roster wasn't was the smashing success you there, hope for. There's no way Chase U is moving up to the main roster as Chase U. Like, if they oh, do, if they, oh, my God. It's, oh, my God. It's, it's a perfect NXT gimmick. Like, it's, it's absolutely perfect for NXT in every way. And just the fact that it's a school is, is NXT in a, in a nutshell, right? So I think it belongs in NXT, but it, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. All right. Um, the match was fun. Every team got a bit of time against each other, and there was a lot of back and forth. But I want to talk about probably the biggest heel move of the 21st century. Huh. And that was, as all the teams are fighting and about to break the, the announced table, Pretty Deadly says, F this, and puts everything back and in proper form because they're the heels, you see? 
I've never seen a heel do that. I'm shocked that I've never seen it. And it was so brilliant. So the, the classic wrestling trope of well, it's time to break through the announce table and you lift the little weird guard thing off and you clear off all the monitors and then someone interferes and hits you and whatever. And they're going to get to the table eventually. And then before people actually got back to the table, pretty deadly walked over and carefully cleaned everything back up, put the monitors back, put the weird uh, wooden covering thing back on the table and said, sorry, Booker T and Vic, sir. We, uh, we are sorry for disturbing you. And the crowd booed and booed. Did they boo? Just absolutely brilliant heel stuff. I legitimately like, can't believe I've never seen this before in wrestling. That was amazing. Add a star to this match just for that. Yep. Um, Andre Chase, man, you know that he was performing at home because he went balls out. He went full 10 gear, right? Like that guy just 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 left it all in the ring. And I think I thought he had a great individual performance. Uh, he did the suplex onto everyone. Uh, Kofi Kingston then followed that up uh, with his. He just diving onto everyone on the outside. A lot of pandemonium uh, back in the ring. Chase kind of had to fend off both the Gallus boys. Uh, Chase dumped Wolfgang to ringside, and he hits Mark with a Russian leg sweep. Chase hit Mark with the Chase U boots, which got a nice reaction from the crowd. Chase hit Mark Coffee with a high fly flow for a two count. Uh, he then puts Mark in a figure four, which we got a bunch of woos from the Charlotte crowd. Uh, Wolfgang broke that up with a beautiful looking swanton bomb gallus hit chase with their power slam enziguri finisher chase kicks out of mark's pin though uh kofi flew at mark with a flying axe handle he drops wolfgang to ringside uh kofi went for a trust fall at ringside but he was caught out of the air a pretty deadly slam kofi with spilled milk on spilled milk on the outside Woods caught Mark with a haymaker. Woods went for a limit break on Mark, but Wolfgang caught Woods out of the air. Then Gallus hits the high-low power slam to give the Gallus boys the pinfall victory over the New Day to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Matt, I thought it was a great idea for New Day to actually eat the pin. Yeah, Xavier Woods gets pinned clean in the middle of the ring by Gallus's tag team finishing move. One, two, three, new tag champions. A great, fun, chaotic, uh, wild match. Hometown boy, Andre Chase, did get some love at the end. Yeah, I, I thought this was great. All things considered, great match. It was full on great. Yep, exactly. All right, after this, we get an ad for a Netflix's show Against the Ropes, which we talked about on last week's BAM. Uh, Vic Joseph thanked uh, Beartooth for the song Riptide. Uh, then we get the hype video for the next match, which was for the NXT Women's Championship as Roxanne Perez went up against Gigi Dolan and went up against JC Jane in a triple threat match. So yeah, sorry, for the previous match, I would go as high as uh, four stars for that one. Let's go four Charlotte Bobcats, if you remember those crazy assholes. <laughs> Worst <laughs> NBA team of all time, but uh, fitting for Chase U. So yeah, that was that. there was nothing else on this show that was close to as good as the opener or the Fatal 4-Way tag match. I was kind of a little disappointed in both of the title matches, Same. but here's what, here's what I think we should appreciate, and it kind of dawned on me on this show. 
we have two A plus potential young wrestlers as uh, respective NXT champions. I don't think that's ever happened before. I don't think we've ever had two people under the age of 25 who are brand new to wrestling. I guess not brand new in Roxanne's case, but for all intents and purposes, brand new to the main stage under 25 who have A plus potential a plus Roxanne if she becomes a better promo could be the greatest women's wrestler in the history of the United States of America full stop full stop full stop I, that is correct I will fight anyone who disagrees and I'll Braun fight Breaker. them with you <laughs> amazing we'll, we'll kick some ass Braun Breaker has everything you could possibly want a WWF wrestler to have every trait size uh background athletic pedigree incredible incredible performer uh, true instincts for understanding this business he, he seems like a tough guy he can actually do real uh, media across you know multiple platforms there's nothing this man lacks these are two a plus prospects and it's actually really exciting that they are nxt champions uh having said that it's not like when adam cole was nxt champion you know it's not like when io shirai or asuka were nxt champions these are young kids who are growing in the roles. So it's a different thing. It's a different thing when you hit these NXT main events, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like, remember, this isn't the super indie anymore, right? This no. isn't the, 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 the best of the best, the Pokemon of indie wrestlers, right? Tony Khan does that now on Dark. Um, so, <laughs> you, you know. Oh, that was your best on Dark joke in the history of this podcast. That was a good one. That Thank made you. me laugh for real. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, seriously, I think that's a great point, Matt. And that's the fact that, you know, this is developmental. Let's remember, these people are developing. Yes, Roxanne Perez has been wrestling for, you know, almost half her life at this point, it seems. Uh, but she now is in the system, in the factory that is WWE. So she is like, you know, uh, honing her craft at this point, right? Yeah, Braun Breaker, who's super new. Um, so, you know, these main events aren't going to hit like they used to, but because they are developing, Yes, exactly. And doing so quite well before our eyes. But yeah, for both of these matches, I would say they were kind of like the Apollo Crews, uh, Carmelo Hayes match. Good, not great. And I respect the effort and I can't wait to see what these performers have in store for us in the future. You know, and this yeah. is very much a developmental main event. And that's exactly. fine. That's fine. That's what we're watching here. Yep. Let's remember that, right? Like, let's remember that. And uh, like overall, when you think of that, you think of the presentation overall, these matches were, were adequate, they were good, they were fun, they weren't bad. Uh, but no. you know, I was, I was like, kinda... yeah, so this this Roxanne GG JC match, if you put in Roxanne Perez, GG Joe Dolan, JC Jane triple threat match into an AI generator, it would have spit out this exact fucking wrestling match. You knew exactly what this was going to be, and it was exactly what they gave you. That's not a it's not a bad thing. No, and, and it follows a very specific script. Like, so let's talk about the triple threat women's match, right? So you have Gigi Dolan and JC Jane who are apparently back together as toxic attraction. Everything is good in the hood, right? Well, obviously that's not the case, right? Roxanne Perez is essentially fighting a two-on-one match until that point of trying to figure out which of Dolan and Jane are going to actually take the pin. And guess what, Matt? They turn on each other, uh, and then this turns into a proper triple threat match with Roxanne Perez kind of getting a bit of an advantage at that point because the other two just are going at it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's exactly what you thought the match would be. It's what it turned out to be. I like the last couple minutes. 
specifically the last like 90 seconds minute of the match from the double super kick on, I thought was really, really good. Uh, actually, it was probably like the last five minutes ish yep. from the point where uh, Gigi Jolin and JC Jane came together, double super kicked Roxanne, and she sold it so brilliantly. That's when this match hit second gear for me. Yep, exactly. Uh, so quickly, Jane hits Perez with a kiss from a rose. Vic Joseph even made reference to Mandy Rose. Uh, Gigi broke up Jane's pin. Gigi and JC were going back and forth. Uh, JC told Gigi to suck it. Uh, Perez got a few two counts. Uh, Perez then caught JC with a hook kick uh, later on in the match. All three women were go- trading hands and, and while on their knees, Perez ended up rallying once they got to their feet. Toxic Attraction hit Perez with stereo super kicks. A toxic Attraction knocked each other out again with double headbutts. Both women fell on top of Perez and Perez had to kick out of both pins. JC and Gigi agreed to get on the same page one last time. Gigi asked JC to get the tables as an ode uh, to uh, the uh, uh, Bully Ray and Devon Dudley. Uh, Perez escaped. 3D. Yes. Uh, Perez escaped from getting powerbombed through the table. She then hits Gigi with pop rocks. Perez tackles Jane into the apron, drags her back into the ring. JC caught Perez on the top rope with a gaming Geary. Jane blocked uh, a superplex and pummeled uh Sorry, Perez blocked a superplex and pummeled Jane with clubbing blows. Perez kicked uh, Gigi and sent her through the table. And then Perez hit Jane with a super pop rocks to pick up the victory. Yes, pop rocks off the top rocks to win this match, Boris. Pretty good overall. Uh, I've noticed uh, you've said the words Gamengiri, Gamengiri, like fucking seven times. Is is Michael's making these people watch Toshiaki Kawada tapes? Dude. Why is there a Gamengiri in every match now? There is, right? Okay. <laughs> like, as I'm like, like feverishly, her, like, typing up my notes, I'm like, oh, there's another Gamengiri. There's another Gamengiri. There's another Gamengiri. So that's like the, it's it's basically the Insegiri, except instead of, it doesn't have the leg catch. It's just yeah. the flying sidekick. And there's one of these in every NXT match now for some reason. But yeah, overall, good match. In fact, I would say I like this better than the main event, better than the steel cage match for whatever reason. I, uh, I, I thought this was better than the uh, Apollo Crews match as well, although I'm going to put the same number on all of those matches, which is three North Kakalaki Tar Heels out of five. Good, but not great. Yep. Agreed. And that that's the, the perfect way to sum it up, right? Um, but it was a creative way to kind of have Perez beat her two challengers, right? And and I and overall I did like that. Uh so kudos to that match. And let's talk about the main event. Um, uh, that was Braun Breaker versus Grayson Waller in a steel cage match for the NXT championship map. Sometimes I, I said it, you know, at the top of the show, sometimes you forget that you're allowed to be a fan. Right. But then there are other times that your fandom takes over and what you expect to happen doesn't happen. And you kind of feel a little empty inside. And honestly, yeah. that's what I felt about this match. I think the fact that Grayson Waller didn't win this match kind of took the it kind of took something a little as the French say, I don't know what away from this match. 
I, I agree. I, I read one piece of feedback that I did agree with that I read about this was why was this a cage match? This had no reason to be a cage match. It was basically a cage match so that Braun Breaker could do one superplex off the cage. That's the only reason they fought outside the ring for the first five minutes. Grayson tried to escape the whole time, but escape would not cause you to win. It was just a very strange stipulation. Like their first match didn't really lead me to believe it should be a cage match. It should have just been a fix the fucking ring match. <laughs> That's what it should have been. Should have been a match in a ring that worked. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, so yeah, it was still a very good match. I liked Grayson's entrance. He came in very cocky. He thought he'd already won this title. He'd already came out with his women. He came out with a bottle of champagne. So that's going to be the story they're telling. He uh, he looked past Braun Breaker almost. He thought he was going to beat this man. And Braun Breaker is a bulldog. And you put him in a no rules cage match. You're not going to beat that guy in a fight. And that's the, the end of the day. The story they're telling is that Braun Breaker has a plus potential. He is that man. And Grayson Waller is not the one on the top of the mountain. He's a heel. You got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. I get it. I get it. But it did hurt my feelings, too. It did. It really did. Breaker tossed Waller against the cage. Uh, Waller did a leapfrog to avoid a spear. Waller hit Breaker with a low blow, but and then he hit Breaker with a rolling stunner for a two count. Uh, we got dueling. Let's go, Waller. Waller sucks chance. Uh, Waller took his time, climbed to the top of the cage. Breaker slowly recovered, cut up with Waller at the top of the cage. Breaker dragged Waller down and hit him with a superplex. Uh, that's for social media, my friends, because WWE is all about clips nowadays. Um, and wrestling in general, right? That that's we always have to remember that. Uh, social media has really changed the way that wrestling works. Sometimes it, uh, Breaker, is, it is the TikTok generation. Yes, please continue. Thank you. Uh, Breaker hit Waller with a spear and pulled down the singlet straps because he means business now. Joseph said that Breaker needs to go for the pin. Breaker stalks over Waller, kind of just staring at him in disgust. Breaker dragged Waller by the hair and yelled at Waller for talking trash. As you heard in the intro of this show, uh, Breaker yelled that this is his dog pound and he runs NXT. Breaker runs the ropes and hits Waller with a super spear for the win in 14 minutes, 25 seconds. Um, Breaker climbs to the top of the cage. He's posing with his belt. I thought he was going to fall off. Um, Breaker also looked a little injured. I think he injured or tweaked his shoulder at some point. Maybe. Uh, may, I, to me, to me, it looked like he was terrified of heights. It did not look like he was comfortable up on that cage at all, in my opinion. Yeah, but even before, like as soon as he yeah. won, you can see him clutching. And then, yeah, when he was on top of the cage, I'm like, oh, this guy does not like heights whatsoever. Uh, it's like uh, Indiana Jones and snakes or something. <laughs> yeah, he looked pretty trepidatious, even when he had to like turn around and face mellow it took like two minutes for him well, to do it and he could tell he was like ah, ha, ha, fuck it, i don't do this did you notice that even the timing of everything like you can tell that the refs are uh you know someone was screaming instructions to him like you know when yeah. the cameras are on you and stuff like that like if you've never been to a, a live tv taping you know referees are shouting instructions on when to pose and what to do and where to look and stuff like that and you can tell breaker was listening and hearing them but he was so slow to set up um so it kind of took away from this because well, but rap uh, yeah you, it's just you don't want i i understand i'm not saying like i'm not trying to insult the guy no. i wouldn't want to see him fucking come tumbling off the top of that cage but at the same time it is just funny to see him slowly take 30 seconds to turn around and face carmelo hayes on the ramp right yep. like 
Yeah, exactly, because at the ramp, you see Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Uh, they're just slowly on the stage. Breaker and Mello kind of glared at each other eventually from a distance. Uh, and that is how the show ended. Yeah, so a strange cage match, not a bloody, hate-filled cage match, a, a spot fest in a cage, but a fine one. Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker are two good young wrestlers who could be great one day. Braun Breaker, something's going to have to go drastically wrong for him not to be fucking excellent at this. And if Grayson Waller sticks with professional wrestling, he's going to be a big star. So... This could be the the first of many pay-per-view main events between Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller down the road. Who knows? I would say it is three golden shoeies out of five. And we pour one out for Grayson Waller. One day you'll 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 wear that belt and not only Boris and I, but all of our Aussie listeners, of which we have a randomly high amount, will rejoice as well. We love you, Australia. I really Australia, do. Boris. You know that. Uh, my family, when we left Los Angeles, we had the options. So these were our three options. Uh, Sydney, Australia, Montreal, Canada, or Toronto, Ontario. Yes, I said it that way for a purpose. Yeah, Yeah. because Toronto is very much not part of Canada, as Toronto themselves will tell you. But uh, yeah, so you you chose, I think you probably picked the bronze medalist in that situation. I think you picked the worst case scenario. I had zero choice in this. But yeah, it's kind of funny, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, that was the show. Overall, I really enjoyed the show. Again, what, depending on who you watch wrestling with, right? You get a different reaction and stuff uh, because we talk on all these podcasts and know what's going on while just listening to Sunday night's main event and shows uh, like that. You know, we kind of know more stuff. So I love being able to just become a fan and watching it with a fan, right? Someone who's a casual. Uh, so I, that's why I love watching these shows with my nephew or like my buddy Kevin or even when like it's you and I, right? Because we, we, you and I pick different things from the show, right? Uh, as, as we, as we're talking and watching yeah I, I even if it's just like my roommates in the room who don't usually watch wrestling or like i have i have one roommate who like likes wrestling and plays the video games and i kind of will tolerate it at least and one one roommate who friggin hates it and will not be in the same room as it unless he absolutely has to and even even that when he get when he chimes in and from time to time it's pretty fun but yeah having more people in the room obviously helps and it's this is all meant to be fun we try to take it somewhat seriously because we care about it and we like we try to rate matches and put it in a wider historical context and all that stuff but at the end of the day man we let's not all take this very seriously right like this is it's a bunch of people doing their best to entertain us pretending to fight and cutting crazy promos there's a who done it over nikita lions going on right now the nxt parking lot is both the most dangerous place on earth and a where's waldo cartoon at any <laughs> given moment so like what are we doing here it's just a bit of fun Exactly, and I love that. I love wrestling for that. The amount of times that I last night I was like howling or having fun, and you know, with my nephew, I was just saying, "I this is why I love wrestling, right?" Like, and the fact that I said that more than once or even twice, right? Like, the show was good. This show was fun, and I've seen some people have that argument that this show may have been better than Royal Rumble. I don't think that, but Ooh. you know what? Kudos on NXT. 
kudos on NXT. You know, this isn't the takeover generation anymore. This isn't that era anymore. This isn't the super indie. This is developmental. And the fact that this group of developmental wrestlers not only were able to get asses and seats in a different city, but have a fun, entertaining show, freaking kudos and hats off to that entire roster. There's a chance, though, man. We look back in 25 years on nights like this, and we say, wow, Braun Breaker and Roxanne Perez main eventing just a random show on February, like for, like February 4th, just randomly on a Saturday night. Those are two of the biggest legends in the history of professional wrestling. In 25 years, we might be saying that. You know what I mean? So it is really cool. It's a different thing than the Super Indie, but we are we are blessed to be in the Roxanne and Braun era all the same. I do think that it's just different. It's not bad. It's just different. Just different. All right. You know what's you know what else is different, Matt? What's that, brother? The lineup here on Sunday night's main event. Just remember, go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. Become part of the family uh, for just $5 a week. And you get the assortment of shows, whether it's pop culture, whether it's comedy, whether it's music, whether it's wrestling. We got something for you. Uh, but all this week, we're, we have a patron preview week uh, as we introduce more shows to the docket. Uh, so I want to thank totalsportscards.com for making this possible and you're going to be getting shows like bam the it's canon podcast tuesday morning cooked uh steve swiss rambling aw dark and dark elevation reviews nxt talk all elite weekly steven's wrestling journey dr mouth's rock and roll lunch party the godfathers of podcasting setting the standard aewtf the smack daddies rampage ramble uh looking back on it MLW Rewind, and of course, Sunday night's main event on TSN and iHeartRadio, the flagship show as we like to call it here. All of that, all of that's coming at you for free this week, but after this week, become part of the family, uh, you know, and and, and go to patreon.com slash Radio. Matt, what a show. Always a pleasure chatting wrestling with you. Yeah, brother. Yeah, keep it locked here. We're going to be back with a BAM episode uh, very, very soon. And then, yeah, just NXT talk and doing our damn thing, Boris. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Remember, stay tranquilo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>